0: We're going balls deep in your favorite artists this week on the Metal Shop Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we're talking about deep cuts, the songs that you don't normally hear from an album or whatever, but the ones that we like.
0: Yeah, just the shit that, that, that's the shit that you kind of, not to be a gatekeeper with people where it's like, oh, you don't. If you don't fucking like this shit, you do oh, really yeah, yeah. fucking dig them. But that's the shit where you get past that surface level with a band.
1: Right. Right. Like, right.
0: you're just, now you're trying to get into all the shit that you never hear on the radio. Yeah. Maybe they hardly ever play it live for whatever reason. Yeah. So. And
1: there's that meme going around like, oh, name three songs by whoever. Like, yeah. if you're wearing this shirt or whatever the fuck yeah. it is. Yeah, so there, I mean, you know, there is a lot of that. Um, I think heavy metal shirts are fashion now, kind of. Yeah. You know, so people that don't really know anything about it, they'll wear, you know. Or punk shirts also, too. Misfits or Ramones yeah. shirts, you'll see.
0: You'll see, yeah. It's like, a, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be like, oh well, what, what Metallica songs are you into or this and that? Right. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not really into Metallica. I just right. think it's a cool shirt. And I'm like, whatever. I, some people get real fucking bent out of shape about that. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm too old to right. be But it sucks when you think you're going to, like, have a, a connection with a person. Right. And be like, oh, let's shoot the shit about whatever fucking band's on your shirt. And they're right. like, oh, I just thought the shirt looked cool.
1: Right. Now, I mean, you know, like you're wearing a rainbow shirt right now. Yeah. If I see somebody in a rainbow shirt, I'm assuming they know rainbow. Yeah. I'm not fucking thinking, oh, they just, you know.
0: Rainbow is not one of those bands that, yeah, you kind of see a random person wear. Right. Wear their shirt. you That's, it tends to be like a more well-known. Yeah. And rainbow is not well-known right. these days. I don't even, honestly, I couldn't tell you how overall big they were in their prime. Yeah. Yeah, not really. I don't think they're as big as Deep Purple. No,
1: no, 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 no. No, bigger in Europe, obviously, but in Japan, you know.
0: But uh, the one funny thing is, uh, I have... It's funny, I forgot I was even wearing this shirt because I was going to tell a story about it and it just worked out. Um, I was wearing this shirt when I'd work at the uh, student bookstore at Mesa College Mm. because, you know, you could wear whatever the fuck you want there. Just put your name tag on. And I had some gal come up and be like, oh, wow, I really like your shirt. That's really cool. I could tell she did not know who Rainbow was or anything. Right. I think she just thought it was a cool fucking looking shirt. Right. Because it's the, you know, it's since nobody can see it, it's the cover of the Rainbow Rising. Right. Um, which is a which fucking is cool yeah. cover. That's the thing that gets used for everything. Anytime there's a tribute to Rainbow, yeah, it's that fucking cover somewhere. Right. Right. I've seen shit that's a tribute to Dio that uses this cover. Right. You know.
1: You know what's funny is like in 20 years. If everything seems to go as it's going. People be like. Oh Rainbow. Is that a gay band? Like. Like Queen. I or thought, like, that's
0: what I thought they were when I, I, to- I told that story. <laughs> well, I just thought like I, the name Rainbow. Right. It didn't sound badass to me. So right. So I'm like yeah. They got bands called fucking Rainbow. What's yeah. this fruity shit? And then right. my friend being like. Rainbow's pretty sick actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, in the in the um uh, the California jam we were watching uh because I actually uh was showing Lonnie because Sabbath went on and I have that video. Yeah. And then Deep Purple went on right after and I have that video and that's the famous ass one, right? Yeah. And they have that big ass rainbow in the background, which, you know, later on Richie would kind of steal that, you know, yeah. whatever. And Lonnie was like, so was this like a gay fest or something? And I'm like, no, it didn't mean that then. Yeah. It was just a rainbow. Rainbows just meant rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, it they took a, it over.
0: <laughs> it was the California jam. Yeah. You know, California's California sunny. So California You think of sunshine and, and hippies and yeah. rainbows and yeah. shit. And, yeah, it was a different era. But <laughs> it's kind of funny, yeah, that... Like you said, Richie just stole that, basically. Basically. He just took the California jam with him wherever he went.
1: He's like, yep, I'm going to fuck up your camera, blow up your stage, and steal your fucking logo, and I'm out. (laughs) And fuck this band, too, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
0: Blackmore's a motherfucker, ain't he? Yeah, crazy. (laughs) All right. Uh, Speaking of motherfuckers, um, uh, it was kind of funny I sent you that story today. It was an interview with David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. Where he's talking about, you know, he you know, he's he he's basically saying this is his last tour also. Right. Which yeah. But he said it's like what do you call it, like uh we're done touring unless we aren't (laughs) tour for him. Right. But he's talking about how not only does he think KISS should continue as an officially licensed tribute act, he thinks there should be, like, seven versions of Kiss. Right, right, right. So like, I maybe one for every continent or something. So, yeah. like, even the the penguins get to fucking watch Kiss or yeah. some shit. But he basically Kiss had, on ice. <laughs> it's David Lee Roth, you know, spouting off, saying random shit like he always does. But then he said, now I got the idea. Like, now David Lee Roth isn't a person. It's an idea. It's a feeling. He's basically kind of saying, like... Kiss was saying about themselves, right. so I think this was a piss take. But he thinks there should be five David Lee Roth
1: right. official tributes, one of a chick, <laughs> and one of them being a chick. You know, I think like <laughs> it's one of those things. It's almost like having finding somebody that could play David Lee Roth in a David Lee Roth tribute thing would be almost like finding somebody who sounds like Dio to be in a fucking Dio tribute band. I mean, if you if one of those guys was around,
0: I think we would have found him by now. You yeah. know, he'd be doing something else. Well, the thing is, is you know, singing the songs that's one thing, that's one thing. It's the whole everything <laughs> yeah, else, yeah, everything. He's such a unique person yeah. that you can't, I mean, it's even like with the with Van Halen tributes, right? They're you know, they're good, but they're not quite there, right. and you can tell when you see a Van Halen tribute. You can tell what's going on with it, and yeah. it's it'll look relatively authentic. Yeah, the Eddie, the fake Eddie is going to do all right. the Eddie things.
1: Right, You have some overalls on with yeah, you know, with yeah. the print.
0: But the fake Dave is just recreating Studio Dave. Right, it's not this. It's not the fucking shooting from the hip. Just slurring words together, forgetting half the songs, but still making it work. Yeah, it's not that. No, it's a guy that's can put on a a pretty good representation of how he sounds on the records. Right. Even the dude that's in Steel Panther now. Yeah. Didn't quite have that. He did have some good stage banter. I watched some old videos with that dude where he got some of the banter going for sure. Um. But it's still... yeah. It's not the same. And that's why there's only there was only one Diamond Dave. Right. Man, like. And
1: I don't know anybody that can do those jumps. Yeah. I don't know anybody that can do those those screams. The sound... You know, the... Whatever. The signature yeah. Dave uh, yell. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't... Yeah, it would be rough. It would be hard to pull that off, I think. Now, on the other hand, like I was saying, Kiss, if they wanted to hold auditions... For each individual dude, and find like the really the best guy to play each character. Mm-hmm. I think they'd have a better band than they have now.
0: That wouldn't be that hard to do. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so because let's let's be honest, Gene Simmons isn't exactly an expert bass player. Nope. You know. Nope. And Paul Stanley isn't exactly the greatest guitarist in the world, and right. his voice is gone. The uh, Paul's, I mean. Paul's strong suit was his voice. Right. In his prime, he had he had an incredible rock voice. Yeah. And him and Gene knew how to write, write a fucking rock hit. Right. So if you never want them to play anything new over again, which was you would imagine so, Yeah. that would work. Right. That's whenever they always talk about, oh, could such and such band carry on without any original members? Because even Bruce Dickinson was someone asked him something about that and he was thinking about whether iron maiden could exist with no original members right and it's like it could be an officially licensed tribute act right but the thing that made it iron maiden is that core group of people writing those songs right it's not just playing it it's coming up with it right and like i read that and i'm like man iron maiden barely was able to go on without bruce Right. For a couple years there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say, yeah, barely. Barely. Um, yeah, man. I mean, the thing is, is like, Iron Maiden is still, they're still trying, they're still making new music. They're still like, you know, some of the shit that they're doing is still really relevant. Well,
0: yeah.
1: It's just, um, well, a lot of bands don't think it's cost effective to do that. Like Kit, like Gene Simmons says, he would not make any money off making a record. That's yeah. why he doesn't make no records. Yeah, basically. So I guess for Maiden, it's still worth it. Maybe they're making money on the records, or maybe they're just they want to have new songs to tour on and yeah. shit like that. Whatever it is, I, I, I thought the last record was great. The last Maiden well, album that, was good. That's
0: the thing is Maiden is still making records at a high level. Right. It's kind of like it's it's like with Metallica, where Metallica they still put out records that sell well mm-hmm. and people generally like after mm-hmm. you know the slump they had. Right. But Maiden is still which f-
1: their slump still fucking sold. Yeah, you know it sold a ton. It wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a, a financial slump.
0: Yeah, but it was just right. a creative slump. Yeah. But then the live shows were always sick. Right. And Maiden, they still put out good albums. They still kick ass live. Kiss, on the other hand, their last couple of albums were pretty mediocre. Right. And I understand, that was mostly Paul wanted to do that. Yeah. Gene couldn't, like you said, he did not give a shit. He's yeah. like, I mean, you gotta spend a lot of money to make a record, and then nobody wants to hear it. They don't want to hear any new shit.
1: Right. Yeah, So what's the much. point,
0: you know? But Paul was like, his, his frame of mind was when they did that first uh, what it, Sonic Boom mm-hmm. or something with this lineup, his whole thing was is he felt like this was the tightest the band had ever been and it's never been represented on a record. Right. So, so Paul let's do it. Had, you know, Paul I have a little bit more respect for as a musician in that respect. Oh, yeah. Where I feel like guys like Made it, I think they just, at the end of the day, they do it because they like doing it. I think they right. like making new music. They like, clearly have Continue to have creative energy. Right. And yep. some bands, they run out of creative energy. You For know? sure.
1: For sure. And and Maiden has the uh, the added... I mean, you know, back in the day, it was mostly Steve Harris wrote everything. Yeah. You know? But as the band has come along, everybody writes. Yeah. So, you know, Adrian Smith's got, you know, his songs he wants to get out there. Bruce, you know? So, yeah, they've got a lot of... Um, with, uh, with Kiss, it's just Paul... Paul and Gene, and mostly just Paul now. Because yeah. I don't think Gene gives a shit about that shit. Yeah. If he, If Gene did write a song, it'd probably be, tell his son, hey man, write me a song. Yeah. We'll, we'll work it out real quick. There's that, whatever. You know,
0: shit, same thing with Priest. They're still putting out really yes. good records. Yep. The live show is still good. It's not as good as it once was. Right. But there's, it's still a fair representation, and it still sounds good in this, you know, on on the album, and oh, they're man. still writing yeah. some cool sounding shit.
1: Sounds great on the... Still sounds great in, on the records. Uh, Priest is one of those where they've figured out the studio. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, there's not too many bands that sound better than than that on, on their records.
0: Well, yeah. We've said it before. They, they Priest is... Their whole thing is they want to have the definitive metal guitar sound.
1: Yeah. And they do. So. Yep. So I've been on a kick lately because um from time to time you know I, I discover a new download source or whatever the fuck it is or somebody releases something cool and I guess the Scorpions a while back released a box set and of of basically everything with Matthias on it. Everything from from uh from Love Drive on mm-hmm. and uh and so, with each CD, they have a bonus DVD where they have like a concert from around that time. And then they talk about making that album, right? So, I've been tripping on these. I got like three or four of them. And so, I've been tripping on those, watching them with Lonnie and everything. And uh, one of them, the Love Drive one, you know, they're talking about how Michael uh, was leaving UFO. He wanted to join the Scorpions back. They had already just hired Matthias. In and out, weird shit, you know. Um, And they're all three on that album. Matthias and Rudy and Michael. And so so they were talking about, you know, going through the process of trying to find a guitar player when Uli left. And they're like, okay, well, this guy's got to not only cover Uli, he's got to also cover Michael from the first album, so he's already, like, in a, in a hard place, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, I didn't really think of it that way. I, I, I would have thought, yeah, okay, well, obviously, he's got to fill Uli's shoes. But uh, Michael, you know, he's a kid, you know, first album, whatever, whatever. I didn't really. I go, you know what, man? Let me go back and listen to that shit again. So I threw on Lonesome Crow. And it's a trip. It's a trippy album. It's yeah. it's it's old. It's from like fucking seventy or something. Yeah. And um and Michael, he's sixteen, and he really is like way advanced from the rest of the band somehow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's like he's the only one that seems like he's ready to make an album. Yeah. And they're really not. And then uh Klaus sings on it, Uli sings on it, they have weird uh, lyrics and some of the songs, it's like he's there's not even words. Klaus just like sings some notes in a melody or whatever, but it's not words.
0: Yeah,
1: it's weird. <laughs> so it's a weird fucking record, and uh, and it's got a lot of like similarities with like certain riffs that sound kind of like Sabbath riffs, mm-hmm. and certain Michael licks where he sounds a little bit like Iommi. It's a trip. I think it was just because it was at the same time,
0: yeah, well, you're kind of you're trying to find your own thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I feel like um I feel like the scorpions and priests kind of in some ways when they when they found their own thing, they kind of found a similar lane too yeah, yeah, except for you know uh a little bit different, but it's still they found that more arena friendly right metal sound yeah around totally. the same time period totally so
1: totally and some of the better live bands from those days yeah. too for sure so yeah so i'm on a scorpion's cake but anyways that'll that'll and that will show itself in my in my picks here
0: <laughs> do, uh do you want to go in any order you want to go first oh let's uh get out here there's been a couple of I have like maybe one or two honorable mentions that I'll get in there, but I might just stick them in with the with the bands that I'm talking about right now. Yeah, and just talk about a couple of uh, of theirs. And this whole idea, I got this idea after we did the last last episode, and I was talking about um, how into that uh, B-Size compilation by Nirvana, *Incesticide*, I got as a teenager, because that was my first my first dive into. Uh, into deep cuts yeah. in general, and I'm like, oh, let me think about like those deep cuts for other shit and other bands that I really like. Right. And Speaking of diving into them, uh, the first first of a couple of Nirvana ones I got here. They're all in the same thing, but it opens with the song "Dive,"
1: okay.
0: <laughs> which is kind of a a good title if you're in a if you're deep diving a band. Yeah, for sure. But it's just you know, it's of all the the tracks are on it, it's one of the more Radio-friendly sounding ones. It's got that. Um, it's just got that vibe that they're doing around that time period. They blew up <clears throat> because there's a lot of tracks on there that they sound nothing like Nevermind and shit like that. Right. This is because their first album had a very a lot darker sound right. in general. And Dive has a more upbeat, driving drum beat to it and everything else. It's catchy it gets it, you know, it doesn't oversay it's welcome. And then also on that same that same compilation, the one that's on the opposite end of the spectrum almost, is uh Big Long Now. Okay. And that's probably the most Sabbathy sounding Nirvana song. It's got kind of a slow build to it and it just it's got you can you can hear a little bit of I, I influence in the riff. Right. Um, And there, that was one of my favorite songs off that just because it, it just sounds dark. It's the only way to describe it. It just sounds darker than usual Nirvana shit. And it's, you know, closer. It's more metal adjacent than a lot of their other stuff. Right. And, you know, Kurt Cobain did say he, he liked black Sabbath back in the day. A lot of people did. There's a lot of guys in that grunge era yeah that came up on Sabbath, yeah I mean Kurt Cobain he also he came up on the Beatles too, right. That's why he was able to write some more poppy sounding stuff every once in a while,
1: right, which hilariously <laughs> Sabbath did too, you know so, so yeah.
0: are my a couple of deep deep cuts for nirvana that i picked out there all right well since i since i started with the
1: scorpions today i'm gonna stick with the scorpions and um the song is coming home from uh, from uh, love of Her sting and on any other album that would be like a hit but on that album it's a deep cut compared to all the other yeah, hits. Oh well, and it's like
0: of- the album of hits. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So um so the cool thing that I the reason I like that song is uh a couple of things. One it's like one thing that uh the Scorpions it's not like they invented it, but they really put it to work because like, you know, uh Stairway to Heaven has the you know, starts off acoustically, kicks in at some point. And they were probably the first ones mm-hmm. to kind of do that. And then, um, and then Sabbath did it a lot with Dio. Dio did it a lot. But in all those cases, it's just like the intro and then kicks into the song. Yeah. Or with like with uh, Stairway, it's like half the song and then it kicks into the second half of the song. But with, the Scorpions, they do it, like, several times within the song, right? And they were, like, the first ones to do that. And Coming Home's like that. And it has the whole thing about, like, you know, being on stage. Get, going on stage is almost like Coming Home. Like, yeah. you know, it's got that whole thing. And then, obviously, the other thing that I really love about it is on, uh, on Worldwide Live... That was recorded in San Diego. So at the end of the song, it's like, like coming home to San Diego. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, like, Fuck yeah. You know, I so, can hear me. Yeah. I can hear me in there. I am there. yeah for me that that one represents a lot of things about scorpions during that time so yeah coming home from right. my love at first state
0: okay so no, my next one is i'm going with megadeth All right. and uh polaris i don't know man it's it's kind of, some of these are hard to say a whole lot about it's mm-hmm. just like dude that's a fucking sick song and up until they're doing their uh they're doing a show it's like an anniversary for rust in peace they had never played it live before right so they started playing it live on that tour and i don't know if it's kept in the rotation ever again after that Mm -hmm. but i mean i i think that's kind of the definition of a deep cut on some stuff where it's like a song that's badass that for some reason they just don't play
1: There's, uh, there's some songs that, um, well, I mean, I'm assuming that Dave Mustaine pretty much makes the set list, right? Yeah. So if he's got something against it, or for some reason he doesn't like playing it or whatever, it might not get in there. Um, that would be, uh, you know, if if, uh, if like certain guitar player has trouble with. Certain parts of certain things that can happen too, especially with a band like Megadeth, where that that spot is constantly turning over, you know. But, um, yeah, that's a badass song, though, man. They, I, you know, they could they play that, they could play that,
0: yeah. I mean, it's yeah, and it was kind of cool seeing them since it was playing that entire album, right? And you know, that's it's funny because it's you know, the song that closes out the album mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they never played it live before there yeah and i couldn't tell you why it's not like it's like significantly more complex right. live than anything else it is they fucking played uh Hangar 18 plenty in that song fucking changes tempo Ooh. god Ooh. knows how many times and has like 18 solos in it it seems like yeah so you
1: but, know it's funny First of all, I like when bands do that, we're going to play this whole album. I like that. I like yeah. that. And then whenever they do that, there's always like one song where they're like, fuck. Like I guess for Metallica's Escape. Yeah. You know.
0: I sent you that video because at that festival, they're playing all of Ride the Lightning. Right. And they didn't like Escape. Right. They never and even James before he starts. He's like, oh, we're playing the song we never wanted to play. Right. We never wanted to play this live, but you get to hear it. Right. Because this is, I guess, the thing in this. I don't know what the deal was. It seems like this is a festival thing where people voted on what their set list might be. Right. Ahead of time, and people like wanted it, so they played all of uh, "Ride the Lightning." But it sounded like one of my is gathering from. That uh, his banter is that they decided to change it up and they played the album backwards, okay? So they started with the last track going up to right fight fire with fire instead of the other way around, right? And yeah, it was like pulling teeth for that dude, like yeah. he did not want to play that song. Hey. And what it is, when you talk about that, that one didn't make my list because I generally skip it, right? And it's because they needed one more song for the album. Right. Uh, the uh, the label pressured them and said, you need to put one more. They were, they were done. Yeah. They had what they thought was their record, and they said, nope, we need one more. And not only did they need one more, but they wanted them to try to write a, a hit single. Oh, okay. We need a single. We need a radio single. Right. So it's really, if you listen to Escape, it's basically, they wrote it in like 20 minutes. Is Metallica basically trying to write Judas Priest in 20 minutes. Right.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: And yeah. Which is funny. I like the song. It's cool. I, I think it's fine. I dig it. <laughs> it's catchy, but I understand why they, they never wanted to write it to begin with.
1: Right. So it's like a sore spot for them.
0: Yeah. Whatever. It was yeah. just like, a, they felt like they're selling out by writing it.
2: Right. You know,
0: they didn't feel like that when they fucking sold 30 million copies of the Black Album. Right and had a whole album full of radio singles, but
1: right. Well, you know why? No, Cliff. Yeah, Cliff was the conscience of the band. That's
0: <laughs> that's that's what everybody thinks. It's everybody very does think that. It's, it's very easy to say this is what Cliff would have done when yeah. Cliff isn't here. Exactly. You know? that's a whole other thing.
1: <laughs> All right, for my next one, I'm gonna go with genocide.
2: Oh.
1: of Destiny. And the reason that I'm doing it, number one, it's a sick-ass song. Yeah. And then another thing is that I think that that song is pretty much like the best example that I can give of this is what it sounded like on here and this is what it sounded like on Unleashed in the East. Yeah. And the the difference, you know, in whatever. It's like the best way to illustrate it. Genocide. I really, really dig that song. And uh and yeah, and you know, and I like the old recording because there's things about it, the layers of it and everything, the way it's set up. It really kinda illustrates the way they used to record shit back then. Yeah. You know? And then and then the newer version, because it's just like wow, it's like you could you could take a song, fucking re fucking vamp it and kick its kick its ass with in heavy metal, you can do that. Yeah, you know, which is cool. You know, so yeah, Genocide, Sad Wings of Destiny, and it's not an album that I put on all the time. it's yeah. just something to, to like trip out on. Like, yeah, and Cause... this is when they used to like wear like uh, silk, yeah. and you know, trippy boots and trippy shit
0: bell bottoms. Yeah,
1: and... so yeah, uh, that's a that's a good one. Um,
0: cool. Before I go to my next one, I'd say probably my. My biggest example is saying that specifically a priest of this is how that shit sounded there and then this is how it shit sounded on Unleash in the East. Yeah. Mine will be Starbreaker. Oh yeah. Because it's it's still a fine sounding tune on the record version, but it's just a whole nother level right. on Unleash in the East. And it counts as a that's a deep cut at this point too. For sure. What's interesting is like deep cuts are all relative.
1: Oh yeah, especially with metal because it's not like you had a really singles anyway that they played yeah. on the radio. So
0: it's like people that were buying those those priest records, the early ones, some of the, like something like Starbreaker probably wouldn't be like, That's not a deep cut. That's yeah. one of their best songs they
1: had yeah, back in the exactly. day before they
0: went fucking commercial. Right, right. There's people that hold on to that shit, man. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But For yeah, sure. this the whole every, they revamped the shit out of that song when they did Unleashed in the East and turned an okay sounding guitar like into a fucking badass one. Hell yeah. You know, that like really drives where, you know, it's hard to describe how it sounded before. It's just there's just a feel that it didn't have initially. Right. But my actual pick since we went on a little bit of a Metallica rant was uh I got a couple Metallica ones I wanted to do. I'm gonna go later Metallica and early and early Metallica here. But on uh, Reload, the last track, Fixer, mm-hmm. is um, one that I always really enjoyed. It's got like just a really interesting vibe to it. Kind of a more epic sounding song than they usually did. But uh, I kind of think of it as in like a loose trilogy of songs where they don't share like lyrical themes or anything, but there's just like a vibe that during that time period for Metallica and there's three tracks for that fixer is the one I was like, Oh, this is the one that stands out the most to me, but outlaw torn um, and bleeding me. If you listen to all three of those, you kind of just feel musical similarities in all of them. And they have a cool vibe overall. That Metallica is really trying something a little different with that, even compared to what they're the rest of the shit they're doing on the album. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bleeding Me I like because it it did the Sabbathy thing of changing the tempo mm-hmm. about halfway through, and Fixer just does some starts off with some uh, almost Hendrixy sounding, like you know you get it reminded me of Voodoo Child because that's during the prime Kirk. Wild pedal years. For that. So, yeah, that was one Metallica deep cut. It's hard to find deep cuts for Metallica these days. Everything has been listened to and analyzed to death. Right. It's like the Beatles at this point. Pretty much. No such thing as a deep cut in the Beatles. But I think if you go back all the way to their first album, Phantom Lord. Oh, that's a great song. To me, that... I hard I don't think I've even seen video of them playing Phantom Lord live. I know they had to have played it live yeah. at some point. I wanted to say that was a song that James brought with him from a previous band, right? Because I thought he I was. I think it. I've
1: seen video of Mustaine playing that. on Yeah, that. yeah,
0: but that's not one you see played live uh-uh. particularly often, unless they do a thing where they play all of Kill 'em All or something. Right, right.
1: But, Which should be coming up soon. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would guess,
0: but um. It's a great, great song that doesn't give get as much attention as some other stuff like Seek and Destroy mm-hmm. and Motor Breath mm-hmm. and Jump in the Fire and Hit the Lights and right. stuff off that first album and Four Horsemen. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of Metallica mainstays on that first record. Oh even, yeah, you know, but uh, the thing that I like the most about it is, uh, overall, it's a bad fucking song. But there's a guitar lick in that that I swear to Christ is like the most evil guitar riff that Metallica's ever done. Okay. And it's just like about halfway through, it's kinda of like the little bridge in there where it starts off melodic, you know. And then I don't they I can't find another song that has this guitar sound where it's just and it's just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got such a heavy fucking sound that right doesn't you don't hear it on any other songs on that album uh-uh. and no other Metallica riff really sounds like that. Yeah. So I kinda think that has to be a Dave yeah. Dave edition or something yeah, like could
1: that. Could be, you know. Could be for sure. Yeah. That's um uh, I mean, you know one of those things like when you join a band and then the you're playing songs that were played by the other guy, right? Yeah. It's just like some of the things just like, okay, well, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And something like that would fall into that category. Yeah. Where you're just like, hey, there there it is. It's, I mean, it, can't beat it, join it type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to stay with Priest. Although it almost seems like a whole different band by the time that I'm going to be talking about now. Which is uh, Screaming for Vengeance. Screaming for Vengeance is an album that, to me, it doesn't have a bad song on. Fuck no. So it just kicks ass from beginning to end But, you know And it does have some hits on it And the songs that they made videos for And, and all that But one song that they, that they didn't And uh, they played it live But they don't play it live all the time Is Riding on the Wind mm-hmm. That song is fucking kicks ass Right from the beginning It's just like And it's all the way through kicks ass i just love that fucking song and and to me it's a standout song on a record full of standout songs yeah
0: that's the uh i mean we've talked about it before i think we both picked screaming for vengeance as our favorite judas priest right yeah yeah um because like you said there ain't nothing sucked on that no and at the you know when i first got into priest I was like, well, British Steel has to be, like, their best one. Right. And I remember after you got through some of the hits that are on British Steel, I'm like, yeah. this was a little thin.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's got some, you know, and it's got, I mean, Priest suffered from the corny chorus for a lot of years, yeah. you know. So, yeah, they got, you know, like, like a song like United or something. Uh, I mean, you know. I don't like that one. Yeah, you <laughs> name for me. Although, you know, like. Some people consider it a priest anthem, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, no. I think they got better at that shit later. I think
0: that, well, they made their anthems were cooler. Yeah. I mean, even on that record, I would say Breaking the Law oh, yeah. is more of an anthem or Living For After sure. Midnight. Right. You know, but shit like, you know, you got another thing coming. Is, yeah. You know, you don't need that big anthemic Chorus. That's right. more, That's you trying to do. You're you're trying to re- reproduce Queen at that point.
1: Almost. Yeah.
0: And it's like you know, let Queen do that thing. Right. And you do something else because I love Queen and I like the corny, anthem chorus from Queen because Freddie Mercury sells that shit. Right. Man. Right. And right, stuff right. like you know, United. We. Yeah. I never dug it. That's one that gets skipped by for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have a. They have, like, a bonus track on it that's, like, uh, from... It's funny because they have a bonus track on uh, the later releases of British Steel that has a song that was from, like, the Turbo Sessions. Okay. For whatever reason, but it's, like, a red, white, and blue. Oh. And it's just a, another anthem-type song. It's right. about Which is funny. The best part about uh, that song to me... Is the comments in that, uh, <laughs> in, uh, anytime you look up that song on YouTube, uh, it's a bunch of fucking people going like, yeah, fucking America, blah, 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 right. I blast this shit every 4th of July, and I'm like, it's about the fucking Union Jack, dude. Right. They're singing about their flag, you dipshit. Yeah. They just have the same colors.
1: Yeah, no shit. But, uh no shit it was just like uh i don't know at what point we found out we were watching something and uh they were singing god save the queen not like the uh the real one not yeah. the not the punk version mm-hmm. and it's like uh it's the same music as um as some american song that we uh sea the shining sea song oh yeah 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 it's the same god music god bless america god yeah 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 so it's the same, uh, yeah, we've been stealing from them for ever
0: since. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> how, you know, that's just how it be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, if you, I don't know if you've ever listened to Red, White, and Blue. It's not a very good song. Oh, uh,
1: I don't think I have. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. that going to be our intro song now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go.
0: Fucking America. Yeah. Fuck no. Yeah. It's so funny to me because I remember seeing that in the comments. But anyway. Yeah. Um, i'm gonna move on let's i'm gonna talk about my my favorite black sabbath deep cut god knows i've mentioned this multiple times i'm gonna mention it again every chance i get in case people haven't listened to it yet but listen to motherfucking megalomania
1: right (laughs) right
0: off sabotage To me, Man, that's yes. the best fucking song on that album. And the thing is, is I first heard it when I had that um Past Lives compilation.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'd
0: heard the live version of it first. Right. And I hadn't really heard that song before. And I would just be jamming that all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's just so fucking good. It's just got that per it's got that that Sabbath formula that's my favorite. I love the you know the the slow song that switches tempo and then just takes off with, like, a sick, like, crunching Naomi riff. Like, it's that build. And it's, like, kind of that last, it's kind of that last hurrah of that. Because Sabotage is where a lot of people say the original version of Sabbath started falling apart. Right. And they say it was kind of during the recording of that one. I think Sabotage is probably their last really, really good album from that time period Mm because then after that it starts you can tell it's falling apart and they're running out of shit Mm -hmm. and iomi's on drugs and trying to be queen and yeah ozzy is whacked out of his fucking mind and trying to quit the band multiple times and keeps coming back before finally they fire him right so sabotage is that right like they're kind of they're right right on that fucking cliff. Like, you right. can tell they're about to go over the edge. Yeah. But it's still a cool record, and this yeah. is, this song just... Fuck, man. It just does it for me every single time. Yeah. So.
1: I think that fucking album cover is a good hint that some weird shit is going on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, who the fuck's idea and what they're fucking wearing and the poses? It's, it's pretty fucking... Yeah. They were high.
0: Well, I know the whole... <laughs> The, uh, I know the, the sabotage, uh, title came from, uh, that's what they're, they're referring to their former manager. Right. They felt like their, their managers and everything had really fucked them over and sabotaged them Mm -hmm. in some ways, which was funny because later I sent you that thing where Ozzy was talking about, he, he thinks back now and he feels like getting fucked over the way he did back in the day was a blessing Yeah, because he was like, I almost killed myself with the money I did get. Right. And he's like, God forbid I got all those millions of dollars that we were, pro- we should have gotten. He's right. like, I would have been dead in the seventies. Yeah. Cause he, he had no control. He was living a life of complete excess and giving him access to millions more dollars. He would just blow that too.
1: Right. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. It's almost like a sieve at that point, it's like it doesn't really matter how much how much you have it's go- it's going yeah you know? and yeah that that's that's pretty much how they were. It's a trip, man, because I look at like like you know watching video i uh, I was watching um uh, the you remember the black and blue it was uh it, it was actually a movie at the time it yeah. was blue easter called Black Sabbath, and it was a concert movie. And the funny thing about it is that it's with Dio, but almost all the songs that they do are old Sabbath songs. Yeah. And um and there's this one point where I told Lonnie I go, look at Iomi, look at his face. Huh. He was fucking so coked out, you could feel it. Like you could <laughs> feel what he was feeling almost. I was just like, damn man, like, these fools get... were fucking I, I mean They're that, wired, man. Yeah, you don't get more high than that. You know, and hey, well, you know, yielded some fucking good shit. Whereas I'm concerned, you know, yeah. I'm always, I'm, I'm always so down with the enhanced arts, you know, I mean, some, I mean, yeah, some shit would have been just as cool without drugs, Yeah, but like, you know, not like Hendrix, <laughs> you yeah. know, not Sabbath, not to me, I I don't think so.
0: Oh, Sabbath so, is the perfect band to sit down and smoke weed.
1: Exactly. And- Exactly.
0: And, you know, it's just like, uh, it's one of those things where the problem with Sabbath, I think we mentioned this before, it wasn't the fact that they're doing drugs, it's that they started doing different drugs.
1: Right. Yep.
0: So you have some dudes tripping on LSD and some dudes fucking coked out. Right. Right. So, you know, and if you're all gonna, if a band's gonna be a drug band, they need to be doing the same drugs so they're still on the same page.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's like why, uh, lemmy got fired from Hawkwind, right because he was on fucking methamphetamines and shit like that and everybody else were on like tripping and doing right. smoking weed right so it's like you got a band of all tweakers are gonna kind of make it work for a little bit for sure you can't have like five stoners and a tweaker in the same yeah, room though, man no, they're gonna be like what be the terrible. fuck is wrong with you man and he's just like, why are we fucking doing anything? Let's fucking tear down, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. And that doesn't fucking work either. And, you know, that's, that's why uh, Metallica, I mean, they weren't... I, I mean, I'm sure part of it, like, they always said Dave was a mean drunk compared mm-hmm. to everybody else. I'm also pretty sure Dave was, like, doing coke back then, too. Oh, yeah. And that was the thing. Metallica, they never were a drug band. Right. Aside from the fact that Cliff would do acid every once in a while and he had trip with you know with Lars every so often mm-hmm. but other than that they're a they're an alcohol band right and, and you got a cokehead with a bunch of alcoholics that's friction man
1: yeah that's friction <laughs> for sure um I'm gonna stay with Sabbath and uh and for me I mean you know Mob Rules is one of my favorite albums of all time yeah and you know obviously you've got your your hits from that even though they technically they're not hits but you know what we think of as hits but um falling off the edge of the world on there is insane i oh, yeah. mean you know it's 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 a unique song where the riff is actually like in the song away so it's not yeah. right at the beginning and it's and it's different. It's like completely you play the first notes with your pinky. You know, so it's just like a fucking weird thing, but it's it's like I owe me his DNA's in that shit. You know, yeah. the way the way that he the way that he picks and makes changes and fucking it's a badass song. And then to me that song is one of the most energetic songs and hard hitting songs on the record. think that they played it with sabbath yeah once they became heaven and hell or they stopped playing the sabbath songs then they played yeah
0: it. then it gets into the yeah set, you know set list
1: right which is which is why i think that was a really good idea to do that
0: you it know? really was you know that's like i said i got into that when i grabbed that do years compilation mm-hmm. and falling off the edge of the world it was on it right and that was one of the ones that i had on repeat a lot oh yeah that's where you know i i'm I come down a little hard on Vinny Appice sometimes yeah, because, you know, he's not my favorite drummer. I don't think he's a bad drummer whatsoever. Right. But, you know, it's just, it's something so simple on that song and he came up with it. So sometimes less is more,
2: mm. but,
0: you know, you got this kind of slow building intro and there's the boom,
1: boom. Mm-hmm
0: boom boom you're like oh shit's about to happen yeah <laughs> you know <laughs>
1: totally totally and, and it, those chords are so deep yeah so uh tuned down you know uh, it, it's perfect it's it's uh it's perfect for that era representation of that arrow sound oh for think. sure fuck yeah
0: oh man yeah i could go on on i could go on on dio era all fucking day oh yeah at some point they're all fucking deep cuts
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: i mean shit when we're coming up with this just like not having a list full of stuff that wasn't ozzy era you know sabbath, right yeah Me a, too. Um, especially when you get into the tony martin era that's all they're all deep cuts at that point oh right? yeah
1: for sure for
0: anybody that you know i kind of like i get people when they start getting born to sabbath i'm like all right, all right, all right. Let's get you... Okay, I got you this far. Let's check out the Dio shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like that? Even though it's a bit different? All right, now let's check this out. Let's check this out. And it's like, all right, now listen to Headless Cross. Right. You know? And, you know, you have stuff like Black Moon off that, that. That's like the deepest of deep cuts at that mm-hmm. point. Because <laughs> it's yeah. just like, you're never going to hear that song played live again by probably anybody ever right you know even tony martin's probably not singing that song yeah i mean i'm pretty sure he's doing like nightwing and shit right still but uh yeah i mean there's some of those songs that are they're lost to the ages pretty much (laughs) once the original dudes get back together everything scatters to the wind yeah you know yeah to get all to get all spiritual about it i guess but uh I got uh, I got one more on my list here that I wanted to talk about, and this one's probably you know sticking in my head a little bit more because it's a more recent discovery in uh, quotation marks for me, but uh, it's just one of those things that I came across. I should I almost wanted to fuck with you and be like, oh, that Aussie cover stand alive, Ah, yeah. (laughs) But uh, that was the thing, just the funniest thing, like coming across that in the Napster years like I was just looking up random Ozzy and I'm like Ozzy Osbourne's staying alive yeah and I thought it was a fake like I thought for sure this had to have been a fake track because you saw that a lot back then it'd be it'd say like I remember one time it was it said Nirvana Enter Sandman yeah and I was like Nirvana covered Enter Sandman one time right and then he put it on it was this dude with a Casio keyboard just being like, suck my dog's dick
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And
0: stuff like that. I'm like Right. What the
1: fuck? And they named it that just to get people to, to yeah. fucking click on it, yeah.
0: But uh for yeah, so that's I remember coming across that and listening and I'm like, Oh shit, that's got like Dweezel Zappa and it's kind of a sick rendition, but that's not what I actually right. wanted to talk about.
1: Would be funny if uh if if he did staying alive now.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs>
1: Be in keeping with his... Uh...
0: Change it to Sort of Alive. Yes, Sort of <laughs> Alive. Oh, but, boy. Uh, for me, the ultimate heavy metal deep cut, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne deep cut, as you said it all. Okay. Just because it was never on any of the fucking records. Right. The only way to get that shit commercially was the Mr. Crowley picture disc. Picture disc. I have that. You know, so it was a very it was not an easily come upon, you know, right. piece of Ozzy Osbourne history. Right. And it's one of those things that they they played it live for that. I yeah. don't know how long they played it live after that. Probably that first tour that was it. Yeah. But I mean the story goes that they never were able to get it onto the record because Ozzy was fucked up that day. Yeah. Supposedly, I haven't heard it. I've looked Supposedly there was a a studio demo okay. with Lee Kerslick doing the vocals. Oh wow. Because Ozzy was apparently passed out under in the <laughs> studio and they're trying to get the tracks down or something like that. Right. And there's supposedly a vocal track of Lee Kerslick singing it. Interesting. Never heard it. I don't know if it's like one of those like myths. Right. You know, right. You know where it's like oh I heard there's a version of this that Right. That never got released, and it's never going to be released. But, um, that's the story I heard. Supposedly, I've heard the the other parts have been confirmed that they're trying to put that, lay down that song, and Ozzy got fucked up and passed out in studio. Right. You know, supposedly he was just like passed out right in front of the drum kit,
1: um, (laughs) under a
0: table or something. Yeah. But um,
1: his drums couldn't even wake his ass up.
0: But for me. The reason why... I mean, first, it's a fucking cool song. Yeah,
1: cool song with a cool solo.
0: It's got a cool fucking solo. It's got a cool guitar riff. It doesn't sound a whole lot like the rest of the album, so that's probably why I didn't make it on either. Yeah. Because it's got more of a... um, The main riff on that kind of gives me like a Neil Young and Crazy Horse vibe. Mm -hmm. Because it kind of sounds a little reminiscent of Hey Hey My My. Right. Cool chorus, everything else, everything works on that song. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, any little extra you can get a Randy Rhodes.
1: Oh yeah, you gotta. You have fucking it. cling
0: to it. Oh yeah, for you know? sure. And Randy, I think he's gone up there. You know, the more I've really sat and listened with, because at the time before when we we're talking about some of our favorite guitarists, and I was like, man, I can't put Randy at my at the top because he didn't. To me, it was like he got it got cut too short right there wasn't a you know there's other guitarists that i really love that have just such a larger body of work right but man the more i listen just really listen to randy rhodes and everything he did it's like fuck he was like the perfect guitarist there's he had no weakness in his game yeah only gotten better so i think he's kind of hit my number one now but damn
1: that's that's awesome
0: (laughs) i mean you gotta think of the fact too with randy there's people that try to duplicate what he does Mm -hmm. um but i've noticed something anytime you listen to like mr crowley um any other guitarist playing it First of all, the solos, like, they don't play the solos right anyway. Mm. Even the guys that play the solos right, they don't play it right. Right. But there's little things in the live, the way he played it live, that no one ever reproduced. Right. Where it sounds to me like now when you listen to something from Ozzy, if if they play that, it sounds like they're kind of trying to sound like the studio version. Right. And there's like, you know, in the studio, there's that cut, you know, you have the little bridge, like, you know, Mm. and when you listen to it live, Randy has just a different tone when he plays that little segment live Mm. that just is, it's indescribable. Yeah. And you have to listen to that specific piece of the song in the live versions. And I've listened to multiple live versions of him playing. Yeah. He plays that part the same in all those live versions. It's just a different guitar tone he uses Yeah. that I don't know how he came up with it. I don't know if it was just so he didn't have to try to fucking, maybe it was just the, the product of not wanting to switch guitars off exactly. to play different stuff. So he just plays it with the guitar he plays the rest of the song with. Right. But it has just a different sound. Yeah. It's got a little bit more fuzz to it. Right. And I don't know. That's, Which is
1: a unique Randy sound. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So
0: that's kind of, Piggybacking off of my whole thing about You said it all but go on my Mr. Crowley Rant that I wanted to do for a little bit Because there's that one little part
1: mm-hmm. That I've
0: never heard reproduced live by anyone The same way ever again Yeah, And yeah so
1: It's funny because um, I have I just have a lot of songs written down here And you And and like, like what you say With the Sabbath and not just dwelling On the Sabbath it was almost hard For me not to just dwell on the Randy You yeah. know but yeah, you know anything other than Over the Mountain and Flying High Again and Crazy Train and Mr. Crowley are all basically deep cuts. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so for me, like Revelation, Mother Earth, oh, Steal yeah. Away, those is because those have the crazy fucking solos. Yeah. But for me, the actual song that I went to for Ozzy was um, Waiting for Darkness okay. on Bark at the Moon, and the reason is because. Like Bark at the Moon and to a certain extent and even more so the ultimate sin, it was almost as if you had to have been there at the time to really love those records. Yeah. Because if you if you came up upon them after the fact, there's a lot of corny shit on there. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. kind of whack. Ozzy was starting to like Wear a lot of hairspray and yeah. weird clothes and weird shit and and it was leaking their way onto the records, but um, but for whatever reason I just like I almost wish that there was like some live versions of Waiting for Darkness or like a or like a a more well produced version because I love that fucking song. It's like I mean I it's like signature Ozzy. Which, so that makes me assume that Bob Daisley wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really fucking, uh it's really perfect for that, a representation of that of that record, which, you know, represents a certain time for me and a certain, you know, uh, Jake joined the band, he's from San Diego, downtime from Randy Dine and all that and the whole, but you know, Ozzy was one of our fixtures, so we had to like whatever he was gonna come with next.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and so we did. <laughs> yeah. Even though, you know, some of There's it was some, not yeah. great in but some of it is great though.
0: Some so, yeah. stuff that you don't, know, uh, you don't uh, completely j- dig on. It's like, um you know, things like if we want to go into some of them, those other deeper cuts from that era. Right. Um, Fucking Killer of Giants. Yeah. Is another badass one. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny because, like, I, I guess I don't know who was on the kick. If Ozzy was just giving people ideas. But between Killer of Giants and Thank God for the Bomb, <laughs> he mm-hmm. had a couple of songs about bombs. Yeah. You know? But yeah. uh was like, oh, let's talk about bombs more in my, my records, you yeah. know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, all right, Ozzy, I'll tell the band that they need to play more songs about bombs. All right. <laughs> all right, thank you very much. <laughs> I've been working on my Ozzy a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. For uh, just, I'm not really gonna get into it because I, we're pretty much comes to the end. But uh, but for Iron Maiden, for me, like shit from the from uh, from Killers, like fucking uh, and from the first album, like you know, Another Life, Transylvania, Purgatory. Oh, yeah. those those songs are, you know, they're essential. Yeah. To me, you know, and, and part of the of the Iron Maiden sound, you know, um, for for like Rainbow, like Rainbow Eyes, Self Portrait, those are songs that you don't hear all the time. Black but sheet,
0: to, the Black sheet uh, of yeah, yeah, exactly, not that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, not you, but the rest of you, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, everything. From, if you think about it. If you go rock radio, everything Rainbow did. Oh yeah, for sure. With Dio is a deep cut. Yeah, maybe they, they
1: played Long Live Rock and Roll on the radio. Or something, yeah, but probably. I mean, you don't but, hear yeah.
0: Stargazer Oh no.
1: Or, or anything
0: no. on the radio ever. I, no. I need to start calling rock radio stations. Yeah, Place of course, some Rainbow. And it's, oh, you,
1: that's the Place of Rainbow guy.
0: Play some Rainbow. All right, since you've been gone, no, no. not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um. For my last one, i just go ahead and do the last one. Uh, you know, uh, 2112, everybody thinks about 2112. Yeah. You know, the side and everything, which is awesome. It's badass and everything. But there's another side. Yeah. And Something for Nothing is one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite Rush songs. And it's on 2112 on the other side. And it's just like... Um, It almost is like the the wrap up of the first side. It's like, okay, so take the meaning of that whole thing is basically this. Yeah. Something for nothing. And then another song from there was a passage to Bangkok, which, which uh, we were like, oh, you can just write a song about drugs. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then it was also cool when I when I finally found out that at the time that they wrote that song, they'd never been to any of those places yet. Yeah. You know, so it was almost like a rap song where you're rapping about your Bentley, but you don't have it yet. Yeah. You know, so but you're hoping that you will. So. It's kind of one of those things. Like they were yeah. writing about a future drug trip they were going to yeah. take. You know, badass.
0: Yeah, I mean, twenty one twelve. I'm I'm guilty of the fact that once twenty one twelve is done, I tend to put down. Right. <laughs> that See. Cause, yeah. You because, gotta because I check do that like the other side. I like the second side, but man, you know, the whole twenty one twelve. You know, there's it's technically you know if you look, it's broken up into it's technically like seven right. songs, but. I mean, for that, it's funny. You kind of almost wish you could have some of those parts just to listen to individually. Right. Because, I mean, for me, I love 2112 in general, but I don't know what everybody's favorite... But I always kind of real really jam out to the temples of Syrinx, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's more upbeat and rocking. But that whole record is cool.
1: Yeah, it's a trip.
0: But it's like generally what happens with me is I just listen to... What amounts to a 20-minute song, I need to listen to something else now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that happens with other bands. Like, you know, there's this band, Nightwish, that they have an album that uh, the opening track is like 15 fucking minutes long. Yeah, And it's kind of like a, the same thing where it's like a, a concept track.
1: Right. So it's telling
0: a whole long-ass story. Right. And it's not something you can just... But it's not like 2112 where it's like sub-songs and a larger work. Right. It's just really long as shit. Oh, wow. And there's different parts and it changes and it's a very operatic song. Right, right. But, but yeah, if you ever get bored, check out, like, it's the, the poet in the pendulum.
1: Oh, shit, it's okay. like, it
0: goes on forever. And it's a retelling of that pit in the pendulum story and right,
1: stuff. And, right, right.
0: But it's uh, it's pretty cool. I guess that counts as a deep cut too, because I don't know a whole lot of people listen to Nightwish, right? Very much, at least that era. So
1: right. All right. So I guess uh, that gets us to the end of the episode. Hopefully, we're gonna be. I got to uh, uh, introduce Kissed Alive this weekend in Ramona. Fuck yeah! Right. So I got another shout out to uh, to. And it's funny when you do that shit because people are wasted. You yeah. know, and whatever, and and so afterwards, they're just like, "Hey, you're somebody, right?" Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm big frog from the metal shop podcast. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, cool. And you know, and like, and there were some older folks there, you know, which by older folks I mean my age. Yeah, and uh, and they're still kind of like,
0: what's a podcast? Yeah, they're
1: like, oh, they're like, oh, you have a show. Like somebody gave you a show. You got hired. Yeah. Or you're this guy with this show And, and I'm they don't fine really with get, people thinking that Yeah, I get, So I was <laughs> the, just like,
0: yeah, yeah, you know I'm fine with them not um, knowing it's just us With a computer in my living room Right, you know
1: <laughs> So, so yeah, you know I'm going to try to um, I'm going to try to do more of this type of shit I'm going to try to get some shirts made And see if we can, you know Kind of take a little marketing to the next level And see what happens yeah. Maybe we'll get like, you know 50 more listeners yeah, that's or something like more that. would be great.
0: 50, you know, 50 leads to 100 leads. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We might get a little bit, li- enough of a following that maybe we can event- one day make a couple bucks off it. Right. It's not, I mean, it's not like...
1: Well, you know, I, I mean, I want to get into shows for free. That would yeah. be, that would be good. For, that would be awesome for me. That'd be... Get
0: a press pass.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. That'd be like, you know, that would make all this toiling in fucking uh, anonymity worth it.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's one one way I can get into Comic-Con one day again and it's a... Right? Try to get a press pass for Comic-Con.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> Used to be all you needed was like a fucking website. Right. And they'd let you have a press pass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they I got a little they, stricter. Because they had to tighten that shit up. Huh?
0: Yeah, well, because a bunch of people with a crappy ass like Angel Fire website Right. Just like... With, that's like one page, and the like with bad spelling on it. We're getting in right. <laughs> so
1: hey, so so this year they're uh, I guess they're trying to pass that expansion again, right? Oh yeah, that's on the, on and the ballot.
0: And so that's
1: like going to be necessary to keep Comic Con, right? Is that, is that that's the is?
0: idea? They've already said uh, they're talking about like when you read the ballot about it, it, says, it talks about how the people in favor of are like we've already lost multiple conventions and this and that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it's like, you know, yeah, we need this expansion. And I don't know if they're tying it directly, because the the, um, hotel tax is on the ballot again,
1: too.
0: The end of town hotel one, but I don't think they were using that as the trigger for the expansion one this time. I think Mm. this is just flat voting on an expansion of the the convention center.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, man. I I mean, you know, I think... (laughs) I think we need to stop acting like a minor league town. Yeah. And just build the shit, man. We need the shit. Build the shit. Yeah. Fuck it.
0: I don't know why everybody's so okay with everything leaving and going to L.A. Yeah. You,
1: you know? know? Sucks balls.
0: It's like, oh, well, it's L.A.'s not that far. It's like, yeah, yeah. but like, we have civic pride. Right. Sort of, somehow. Right. And despite all odds. But yeah, I know what you mean about the, you know what, like. Yeah, not to go on like completely non metal tangents, but look at Petco Park, man. Look at how long it took to finally get that shit done. It got mm-hmm. voted in and mm-hmm. then they dragged us on that. And mm-hmm. what did it do? It completely rejuvenated the downtown. The whole area.
1: downtown, yeah.
0: I mean, shit like that. That's what we need. That's exactly. you know. Like if you re rejuvenate that whole area even more, that's more jobs, more everything mm-hmm. else. And it's like not that San is like I mean, San Diego does have a little bit of a housing crisis, and it's—I wouldn't say it's a huge job crisis, but anything that gets more jobs good. is a good thing. Yeah. And Now it's like you know they did pass the, they they passed the SDSU West mm-hmm. initiative, so
1: so that's good. So Something's the stadium's
0: getting blown up, and right. that's going to be a new football stadium for SDSU and new new classrooms and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a satellite location for SDSU now. Right. And it's like, well, we could have could have yeah. had our fucking football team still, but sure hey, could have, but I guess we can do this instead. Right. At least we didn't get that Soccer City bullshit. I would have right. fought someone if we got that.
1: But you know, <laughs> but you know like you say, it's not entirely non-metal related because if bands see that, hey, you know what? More shits coming here, more shits happening here, more. Well, then they're more likely to fucking stop through here too. Yeah. Because a lot of bands have stopped coming. That yeah. That used to come all the time.
0: Hey, the Stones are playing at Qualcomm. Oh
1: yeah. I
0: saw that. I'm like, that makes sense. The old ass band playing in an old ass. Oh stadium. yeah,
1: yeah. They could have. They could have probably played at the Grand Opening.
0: <laughs> that fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit. When I uh, I saw that, I'm like, that's weird. The last time they're here, they play Petco, yeah, which is a better venue. Yeah, but I guess they figured they could sell more seats for. Yeah, they could definitely the sell the more seats. Again, but
1: and and you know, I mean, that's one of those things that's crazy to me because it's like you're practically propping up some skeletons on the fucking stage. Yeah, and but people are gonna go. It's gonna fucking. It's going to sell, I don't know, 60,000 seats some shit like
0: that. A lot of old people in San Diego.
1: Fucking A, man. All right. So that's it for another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast, the Deep Cuts episode. Until the next one, this is me, Big
0: Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out.